0: Thank you so much for your prayers, you know, as I, I'm really honored to have, um, uh, get to serve our, our friends, our, our fellow churches in this way, and you're stuck with me though, I'm still going to be your pastor, so I hope my keys keeps working, um, but, um, but, you know, I'm really grateful to be your pastor, I'm grateful to, um, in and prayerful for this spotlight that, that really has, uh, come to our church, and, uh, and, and I pray that we can manage it well. And I want to remind me and you, uh, all of us, that, that really the, the prayer and the goal is not to, to, um, for, for our name to be known, but for, um, for Christ to be known, yeah. right? That, that's, that's, he's the Savior and the King. And, 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 you know, that's why we're here serving the Lord and honoring the Lord. And, and um, you know, because uh, we want to point the world to Him. And, and, you know, as we, we're going to do that this week. This, this coming week is a huge week in the life of our church because, you know, we're, um, we need some help because it's Thanksgiving this week and we have our um, our Thanksgiving feed and Rob Rizzo has just been uh, just busting, busting things out. He's, he's got, we got a lot of things going on this week. Do you know that this week uh, you could sign up with your family over Thanksgiving and really serve in an incredible way, like like um, you can do it online on our website or on our app, uh, or call the church if you if you need to do that. But um, but but this week on our Tulsa campus, we're going to serve over twelve hundred mil- meals. Uh, isn't that awesome? Um, but but that's not it. That's not it. We we got we're going to serve twelve hundred meals at First Baptist North Tulsa as well, and and that's. But that ain't it. We need some more help uh, because we're, we're serving 80 meals to homebound uh, out of the mission. And then, this is cool, um, there are 59 college kids at RSU in Claremore that can't go home for Thanksgiving. And so they're just sitting in the dorm, uh, and we're going to take them meals on Thanksgiving to, to feed those guys. So isn't that cool? That's cool. Um, and and so, that, your your family would really be rewarded by just jumping in. And there's all kinds of ways to help out in, in, in all kinds of aspects of, of that. So I hope that you check that out um, over the next uh, over this week because uh, there's some opportunities. Now, if you're a guest today, we we normally uh, kind of go through the books books of the Bible. That's kind of how we we track around here. And and, and we're we're in the are we're, we're almost finished with Nehemiah. We only have one more message next week in, in Nehemiah, and we'll have finished Ezra and Nehemiah, these two really incredible Old Testament books. And, and, and you know, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 11, uh, because we're going to kind of unpack Nehemiah 11 and 12 today. And so let's just jump right in. If you have your Bibles open there, we have a practice. We stand in honor of God's word. It's a good practice for us. So would you stand with us? Um, and this is just a posture for us that, that honors uh, the word of God. It, the, we have a high view of scripture around here, meaning that, that God's word is authoritative. So when we read it. Uh, not all the time, but usually when we start in, the, in a text, uh, we'll, we'll stand in honor of God's word as simply a posture that says, God, this is you that has spoken. And so we're gonna, we're gonna pay attention to it. Nehemiah chapter 11, we're just gonna read together verses one and two, but we'll look at both of these chapters. Verse one. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem. And the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. And this is the word of the Lord. Praise Thank, you. Thank you. you. May be seated now. Now we've been in Ezra and Nehemiah since August, and and. And what you have in chapters 11 and 12 was the, the moving into the city and the repopulation of, of Jerusalem. Now, th- this is really an important moment in the history of God's people. And so I want to remind us of the history. Um, th- this is a big time. This is an important moment because after the altar was built in Ezra, after the city was rebuilt in Nehemiah, think about this, there, there, that enters the, the, a 400-year period of prophetic silence. Now, here's, here's what I mean by this, that, that after Ezra and Nehemiah, all the prophets died. And there was not another prophet that would come on the scene until John the Baptist was, would be born. Now, it's interesting as you, as you think about this, Ezra focused on the rebuilding of the altar, the temple. Nehemiah focuses on the rebuilding of the city. And, and this is the altar. Think about this. This is the altar that will stand, that, that is in place as Jesus comes on the scene. This is the city that Jesus walked into. So it's, it's, it's this city it's this very city that they are moving in to repopulate and reconstruct that, that, that Jesus would, uh, would come in riding on a donkey, that, that, that Christ would go through and heal, that, that Jesus would weep over this city, this very city. This is the city that right outside the walls of this city, Jesus would hang on a cross. It's, it's this city that, that healings would happen. It's this city that, that, that plays such an important role um, in history past and history future that points the world to a savior. This is the city. This altar that Ezra talks about, this is the very same altar that, that on the very moment that Jesus uttered those words, it is finished as he hung on the cross. It's this altar that the curtain was ripped from top to bottom, making a statement that no longer is there a need for a blood sacrifice, because the blood of the lamb just paid the price for sin. This is the altar. Now now, no wonder in Ezra 11 and 12, they come and celebrate. This is like a a massive celebration in Hebrews 11 and 12 of God has moved, and this city that was broken down, this city that was burned, has now been reconstructed, and it's finished. The city is finished. Now, in, in... I want you to think about this with me because though Ezra and Nehemiah, they, like, though the prophets spoke about these things, it was, it was difficult for them in the moment to look forward into history recognizing the significance of that moment. But, but we get the opportunity, we get the privilege of looking backwards, and what you see happening in Ezra and Nehemiah, it's the setting of the messianic stage. And here's what I mean by that. Messianic, the Messiah, right? Uh, and, and this is the stage that will be set for the world to see a Savior. And, and, and you see the providence of God in Ezra and Nehemiah. You know what I mean by providence, right? Providence of God, we've looked at this, that, that, that God is orchestrating the movements of humanity, and the providence of God is on full display in Ezra and Nehemiah. Now, now, here's what we know about the providence of God. And let's think about this, how important this concept is. Providence means that God is in control. And folks, let me tell you something. Today, in 2021, God is on the throne and in control. And God orchestrates human history. God orchestrates the movement of man. And you know what? Just like Ezra and Nehemiah were being used by the Lord to set the stage for the first coming of Christ. The more I look at this, the more I dig into Ezra and Nehemiah, you know what I keep thinking about? I keep thinking about the church. Because just like Ezra and Nehemiah and God's people were setting the stage for the first coming of Christ, you know what God's doing in the church? God is using us To set the stage for the second coming of Christ, let me tell you something. There's going to be a second coming, and I, 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 I keep praying about 2021, and what does God have us in here for, Ezra and Nehemiah? I think it's processing the church. Now, now Nehemiah eleven and twelve. I want you to look at it with me because you can really divide it into three parts, and we're going to do that uh, just quickly here. That in, in look at I want you to just scan Nehemiah 11, 1 through twelve twenty six. Just kind of scan that in your Bible, because what do you see here? This is like if you if you go through a one year Bible or or you do a Bible reading, you get to a chapter like this or a section like this, and you just skip it, don't you? it's just names it's a bunch of names right you're like and and most of us we can't even pronounce them i'm like i'm glad my dad named me chris right Uh, because that's easier to pronounce you know in my world maybe someone later will not think it's easy but um but you know honestly um let's let's lean into this name list these names and let's recognize this is, this is divinely inspired by God. This list of names is divinely inspired. God gave us this list of names. And so what do you see there? You know what I see? I see a whole bunch of normal people. You know how cool that is? You know how amazing that is? All through the scriptures, God uses normal people for his purposes, that's what he's doing in the church. That's what he's doing in us. And, and so as I look at this city and I think about the church, you know what I see? Uh, like the first idea that I want to put in your heart, in our heart, is that, is that God uses normal people to build churches, doesn't he? We're all normal people, aren't we? Um, and and let's, let's think about these people. This is a record of, of these people in Nehemiah 11 and 12. You know what I think they are? I think it's this, it's this ancient pre-Christ likeness. Uh, they're kind of, uh, rep, they're, they're following, they're being Christ-like here. They don't know they are, but they are. Because, you know, what are they doing? They're leaving what is comfortable and they're going to what is uncomfortable. You know, that's what Jesus did, didn't he? He left heaven and entered human history. And, and Christ suffered for you, like 1 Peter 2.21 says, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. That's fun, isn't it? That 1 Peter 2.21 exists for us to wrestle with. But, but, but think about it. We're to follow the example Christ set for us and, and, and look at verses 1 and 2 in chapter 11. Now the leaders of the people stayed in Jerusalem. So the leaders were there and the rest of the people cast lots for one out of 10 to come live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while the other nine tenths remained in their towns. Okay, so they're, they're, not everybody's coming into the city here. They're casting lots. They're drawing the short straw, right? Who got the short straw? Oh, you did a bummer, man. Uh, you know, but, but then the people praised all the men. Look who volunteered to live in the city. So they're, they're not just, they are drawing lots, but they, they also volunteered to move into the city. Now, Nehemiah was willing to live there, and think how big that is. Nehemiah was in, he was a cupbearer to the king, right? That's what Nehemiah was. So he's living in the Persian palace. Oh my goodness, that's, that's, a wonder, that's one of the wonders of the ancient world. That was, a, that was one of the most magnificent facilities on the planet Earth, Nehemiah willingly moves from the palace of luxury to a city that was burned down, and and not very nice, right? We go to Jerusalem today. I went to Jerusalem, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty nice. It wasn't that way here. It was uninhabited. They had just built the walls. It was burned down. And 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 honestly, let's think about living in Jerusalem at this time. It was dangerous to live in Jerusalem at that time. It was not. Uh, um, a a great place to live. It was not a good neighborhood. Why? Because, you know, remember all the, in Nehemiah and Ezra, people were mad that they were building the city. Let's think about it. The leaders were in the city. That means there's a target on your back if you're in the city. Because what, somebody that wants to destroy some people group, who do they go after? They go after the leaders, don't they? The leaders were in the city. Let's think about the altar that was in the city. Remember all the valuables that were in the city? Ezra talked about all the gold that, that the Persian kings put, that, that they, went, they, they put it back in the altar. Um, all the valuables that they traveled with. I mean, there, there was a lot of cash, if you will, a lot of valuables in, this, in, the, in Jerusalem. Okay, if you want to steal something, uh, man, you'd go where the valuables are, right? It was dangerous to live there. Um... Then, let's think about moving into the city. You're a, you're a, you're a, um, a farming society. You're, it's more valuable to be out in your crops, out in the field. If you have to go to the city, you give up your livelihood, and you have to go into the city to have another livelihood, and, and in a bad neighborhood, right? Think about how difficult this was. We need to feel this. Now, there's a lesson in that. You know what that lesson is? God's purposes often override our personal plans, don't they? I mean, I mean, a lot of times, we have some plans for our life, but, but God's purposes tend to override those. Uh, you know, uh, right now, God's working in our lives. God's purposes override our plans. I, I know people in our church that, that they didn't have Tulsa, Oklahoma on their radar as a place for God to move them. And God moved them to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So sometimes we find ourselves where God places us, and it's often a curveball. But, but let's think about God's plan. There's a lesson here. God's plan, and we got to get this, God's plan is rarely comfortable, it's rarely safe, it's rarely easy, but it's always the best, right? Let's let's remember that. Let's let's remember that in the world of health, wealth, and prosperity as we have a tendency to go, oh, look, if you follow Jesus, it's always going to be comfy. Let me tell you something. If you're comfy following Jesus, you really might not be following Jesus. And that's a reality. But But let's keep thinking about this list. I can't get over this list. It's a pretty cool list of people that have said, hey, we're... We're faithful. That's the that's the list here. All these names are, 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 are people on the list. Now, now, you know what their goal, what I love about this list, their goal is not to be famous. Their goal is to honor the Lord. And all the people recognize, you saw at the end of verse 2, they, they said, man, we're grateful for all of you people. Let me tell you, that's the kind of list we want to make, isn't it? You know, the more I, more I look at this list, it's, it's the right kind of list because it's the list that makes the Lord famous. This is why we've got to, we've got to navigate even some accolades that may come our way and go, look, let, it's not about that. It's about honoring the Lord. It's about making his list, making the right list. And so when I pray through this, I'm like, let's be a church that honors the Lord and makes the list. Let's make that list. I want to be on that list, the the list of faithful people, the list that says, "Look, we're going to trust you, Lord. We're gonna we're gonna do what you ask." And that's the list. When I look at that first section, it says a list of people. Let's make the list. Let's look at the second little division of this of Nehemiah 12, eleven and twelve. Look at verse, um, in in verses twelve. 27 through 43, they're dedicating the wall. They're having a big worship service. That's what they're doing here. Look at verse 28 and 29. It tells us, The singers gathered from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netaf, that guy, yeah, that place, from Bithgogal and from the fields of Geba and Asmaveth, for they had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem after the priests and the Levites had purified themselves. They purified the people, the gates, and the wall, think about this. We don't know exactly what that purification was like, but, uh, but it probably involved some kind of sacrificial cleansing or some kind of ceremonial washing or something. But, but, but notice, they didn't just do it to themselves. They did it to the gates and to the walls themselves. They understand this is a work of God, and and, and what this does, you know what this does? It sets them apart to worship the Lord. They're saying, we want to worship the Lord. We are dedicating this to the Lord. And that's such an important lesson for us, because so many times we want to serve and go, look what we did. No, 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 let's let's point the world to to the Lord. That's what they're doing here. Look at, like in in verse forty one, and in chapter twelve, verse forty one, it mentions trumpets they employed, and in the music along with the, all those names in, involved, and and, and the, kind of the idea I think is is like I live on the other side of, of one sixty nine from the high school, Highway one sixty nine, and um and, and you know if um, I can hear the band at Owasso High School playing from my driveway. You know, I live a couple miles, like miles from there. I can still hear the band. If, you're, if you live in town in Collinsville, you'll be able to hear the band from your living room. Or took. you'll be able to hear the band. Well, what's happening is this is like a marching band. Look at verse 42. The singers sang with Jezariah as the leader and on they, they offered great sacrifices And rejoiced because God had given them great joy. The women and the children also celebrated. And look at this. And Jerusalem's rejoicing was heard far away. So they're they're like marching through the city and marching on top of the city. And and, and, and what are they doing? They're setting themselves apart. They're saying, look, God has moved among us. Uh, And what what is Jerusalem all about? Jerusalem proclaims salvation to the world. That's what Jerusalem does. That's why it's such an important city. That's why it needed to be rebuilt, because God wanted the message of salvation to go to the world. You know, that's our church's call. That's why I can't get away from the church here. How The church, our job is to proclaim salvation to the world, Right? That God has planted us in in Owasso, in Tulsa, and we are are both a rural, a suburban, and an urban church. That's who we are. And God has called us to to proclaim salvation starting here into the world. You know how cool it is that we're next to the port of Katusa? You know how cool that is? I've learned since I came here that you can get on a boat in China, and get off the boat in Katusa? Are you kidding me? That's crazy to me. And do you know what God's called us to do? That's a beautiful picture of what God's, God's called us to do. Because you can also get on a boat in Katusa And go to China. Do you know that out of here? God's called us as a, God's, God's open channels to the world to share the gospel. And just like in this city, through these normal people, guess what's happening? God's name is known. Do you know through us, through our church, through normal people, God's name is known. Just like this city and this altar, God's word is understood. And they're proclaiming, they're making this moment that, look, we're purifying this because God's word points us to forgiveness, our need of a savior, our need of of dealing with our sin. God's word is understood. And and you know, you see these leaders, they're walking around the city. Nehemiah is embracing his calling, and and leaders from this moment on are sent to the world. And think about what happened in Jerusalem, out of Jerusalem, after Jesus gathered his disciples, and he says, Look, I am sending you where? To the world. Out of Jerusalem. And do you know what? Right now, out of churches, leaders are sent. That we are called to be a church full of leaders that take the gospel to the world, and I see this. That's the second part of Nehemiah eleven and twelve. But there's a third part. Look at verse chapter twelve, verse forty-four through forty-seven. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions. The first fruits and the tithes to gather into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites, according to the fields of their towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of Uh, David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God and all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers and they set apart that which was for the Levites and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. Do you know what that's a description of? Their church budget, kind of, right? Right? They're they're giving. They're they're setting apart their tithes and and you know what you see here you see God provides through normal people. That's how God provides, and here you see another beautiful example. One of our one of the things that we're 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 pushing one another towards is financial maturity. That's why in January we're going to be giving financial peace to every person that goes to our church. The, the financial peace resource from Dave Ramsey. Because we're going to learn how to live financially mature, how, how to give generously, how to save wisely, how to live appropriately. And, and, and you know why this is so important? So many people don't obey God in their finances. And when you obey God in your finances, you know what happens? You put yourself in a position for God to be involved in your finances. You learn to trust the Lord in your finances. And in America, American culture, boy, that's big. Because we don't joke about money very often. And we need to learn to tr- We don't trust the Lord very often in our finances. And we've got to learn this. Second Corinthians 9, 7 and 8. You've got to write that down. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8. Take some time to reflect on this. It says this. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Well, Boy, that's worth some... That's worth some mental sweat over. And um, what you see, and I think you see this over and over again in the Bible, that there's clear purpose and prosperity for followers of Christ. And when God blesses you, he does it for a reason. And we ought to trust that and look to that. And part of God's goal in times of prosperity, you know what it is? For us to be others-centered. That's why this uh, this journey at Thanksgiving for us is t- to be other sinners. It's good to take meals to people. It's others-centered. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good that he may have, have to give to him that needs. Look, we, you know, there, there's incredible joy and in generosity that I don't want you to miss, that we're not supposed to miss. So let's recap what we've been today. Um, We see in this, in Nehemiah 11 and 12, God uses normal people to build churches. Second thing, the church proclaims salvation to the world. And the third thing, God provides resources through normal people. Now, you know what I want to do? We have a, incredible example of this taking place in our church right now. Tony, come up here. This is Tony Fritz. Some of you may not know Tony. Let me tell you a recap, a little recap of Tony. Tony grew up in Venita, America. You know where that is? Largest McDonald's in the world. Is that true? I don't know. I don't know if that's true anymore. Used to be. Um, Uh... But uh, Tony, stud at Vanita High School. He's actually kind of normal. He's a normal guy. Uh, oh, thank you. He, you're, 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 spe- you're special. Uh, but and at Vanita, this this Brazilian exchange student walks into Venita, and he was like, "Hello there. How are you?" Yeah. And uh, married Miss Sylvia, um, and they've been married for a while now, quite a while. And uh, you have embraced Sylvia's family in Brazil.
1: They more or less embraced it. They
0: did, okay, okay. Um, I I want you to tell us a little bit. You're a normal banker. You're cool. You're great. Um, You're special, but you're normal, right? Thank you. I want you to tell us how God has used... I know it's not about you. We've already established that. Okay, we're, we're making the Lord famous. But how has the Lord used you as a normal banker dude to minister in Brazil?
1: Unpack it, it, that. It's a crazy story. But uh, Sylvia's family is all in Brazil. Of course, she followed me here. And we live here in Owasso now, have for a long time. But all of Sylvia's family is in Brazil. And Sylvia told me one day, she said, Tony, I'm, I'm really concerned about my family. Let, let's pray that God somehow will find a way for us to witness to my family so that they could become saved. So we began a, a prayer uh, for years on, God, please give us an opportunity to witness to Sylvia's family. And if you have family that is unsaved, you know The struggle that may be. Family is the hardest thing to witness to. And if you have a family member that's not saved and and you don't really like them that much and you witness to them, they won't invite you back, right? So... Is that that a strategy? Uh, (laughs) Not really. So we began to pray and uh, that God would give us an opportunity. And uh, things, you know, just hadn't happened. And until one day, the Lord impressed on my heart, because uh, he had been listening to Sylvia's prayer. He doesn't listen to mine that much, but mm. he'll listen to Sylvia. And the story goes like this: Tony, I want you to go there. We we had been we had been attending a little Baptist church there uh, when we go visit family. Real small, maybe a hundred feet long, fifty foot wide, maybe fifty members, maybe. And we'd go there, so we kind of knew the pastor a little bit. Uh, and through the graciousness of our Sunday school, we had provided the poor kids of the area there with volleyballs and basketballs. And I think there's a picture up there, or will be in a minute. Uh, so we we kind of had that connection. So this, so God is impressing him on on me. He said, Tony, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go there to the church. I want you to preach, and I also want you to invite all of Sylvia's family that will come, and if you'll share the gospel, hopefully they'll receive Christ as the Savior. And I'm, th- I'm thinking, really, God, you got to be kidding me, right? I-, I became totally defensive for this whole thing. Number one, to go ask the pastor there at that little church to allow some foreigner. To come in and preach, yeah. Right, I, might, I might
0: ask you to keep praying about yeah. that. I'm
1: a, Just yeah. imagine somebody doing that to Chris, and Chris <laughs> is going to call the police, probably, uh-huh. to have them come get this guy. But so, anyway, while we were there this Christmas time, we went to visit with the pastor, and to me, this is going to be the, you know, the first time that you know this whole plan gets ixnayed. So, we shared this plan with the pastor. And the pastor just looks at me and says, are you sure you're Baptist? I said, well, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I said, so he agreed to this crazy plan. So that Sunday morning service, the noon service, he introduced to us that we were going to preach that night. And it's because the night service is the big service there. So that afternoon, we invited all of Sylvia's family to come to hear Tony preach. Oh, boy. Second argument I had with God is, I can't speak Portuguese. How's that going to work? He said, don't worry about it. Sylvia will translate for you. Well, Sylvia had never translated something like this before. So all afternoon, I am just.
0: Well, you got to tell her what what Sylvia said to you about your jokes, uh, how awesome they were. So
1: I'm going over this, you know, okay, Sylvia, here's my my best 10-minute you know, sermon, because, you know, if I say something, then I have to wait, let her translate, so a 10-minute sermon turns into a 20-minute sermon. You might think about that. Yeah, yeah,
0: minutes. yeah, that's, a, that's a work for me.
1: <laughs> Come on, this is your story. Get get off. Uh, uh, you know. <laughs> where was I? Uh, oh. <laughs> no jokes. So, so Sylvia said, by the way, Tony, don't tell any jokes, because number one, I won't translate it, and number two, you're not that funny anyway, so. <laughs> okay, you know, so do so uh, we showed up that night. We, we invited all the church, of course, to come to and all our family. And so we got there a little early, and I sat down on the front row. And I'm just as nervous as can be that this whole thing's really coming to fruition. And, and I'm still praying to God, you know, God, you got time to, you know, still, you know, not make me go through this. But I'm just sitting there with my face in my hands, just, you know, not even paying attention to what's going on behind me. And whether anybody even showed up or not. but any, So the pastor gets up and, and introduces us. And so we come up. It's the first time I had a chance to look at the church. It was packed. I could not believe what I was seeing. And Sylvia's family showed up, most of them, and set, took up a whole row. And I just, I just couldn't believe it. So... Um, So we we began, Sylvia translated, she did a wonderful job. So at the end of the service, I told them I was gonna give an invitation for anyone who wanted to come and accept Christ as their savior. And so on the first note of the first song of invitation, you know, we all stood up, I invited them to come. The entire row of Sylvia's family almost tripped over each other, coming down to accept Christ as their savior. It was amazing and um the, there were others that came also but but I I I hesitate always telling this story cuz it's not about me this mm-hmm. is about an awesome god that some ordinary guy just even though I fought it I I went with it but I god gave me a front row seat to how awesome he really is and it was just mm-hmm. amazing and we're going back again this year. We haven't been a couple of years because of COVID and other issues, but uh, the pastor has asked us to preach again. And so I, I ask for your prayers and to send us off from my church to, to share the gospel again. So hallelujah. Mm. That's yes, Austin. Awesome. You
0: know, we're going to have an invitation and, and let's lean into what the Lord has for us today. You know, Tony and Sylvia are gonna be down here and, and um, some of you need to come and pray for them because they're going back in December. He's gonna share the gospel again in December. But, but let's lean into this, this moment. Do you know what's happened? Thanksgiving is this week and we're going to be around our families. And maybe you, maybe you need to come and, some some need to come and pray for them, pray over them. But maybe you need to just bow and pray for your family because God is calling you to be a witness to your family this week. Because you may have family that Doesn't know the Lord. And you may go, I'm not a preacher. Neither is he. But God uses your voice, your life. And, And maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. Like when Tony got up and shared the gospel and said, look, if you need to be saved, you could come and be saved. If that's you today, that's why our church is here in the first place. To make the name of God known. To make the plan of salvation known. Because Jesus did come. He did go to the cross. He did rise from the dead. And he, he'll save you. No matter who you are or what you've done or where you've been. That's amazing. Yeah, you know I know that. Because he saved me. And you know what, let's lean into the Lord today as normal people are called to serve the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, because that's you, that's me. Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, I pray for this moment that you would put a burden on our hearts for our own families that many will have time with this week. And I pray for boldness around the Thanksgiving table. I pray for divine conversations as a football game's on in the background or as lunch is being served I pray that there wouldn't be needless conflict, but just that your spirit would move in us and the lives of our family members. I thank you for letting us see Tony and Sylvia today in their Sunday school class as they join together to give and to bless and to be used by you. So Lord, would you just move us right now? through Nehemiah 11 and 12. And would you use us this week in our families and among our friends. In Jesus' name, move us now, we pray. Amen.